Hey there, my beautiful overachieving business mamas. Welcome to the Moxie Movement, where we're tearing down myths and propelling women like you to success, both in business and at home. I'm Sarah Greener, your guide on this journey, because I've walked this tightrope too. And together, we're here to help redefine what success looks like. Dive in for real talk, actionable steps, and a community that gets the hustle of juggling motherhood, wife life, and that entrepreneurial drive. It's time for a little Moxie. There is so many things I didn't do and so many opportunities that I've missed because I was waiting for things to be perfect. And I was waiting for everything to line up exactly as I thought it should. And one of the things I've managed to learn finally on this journey is that it's never going to be perfect. It just has to start. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. I wanted to be able to come on here and tell you that I'm a reformed or a recovered perfectionist and I'm a recovered people pleaser and every time I suggest that maybe I could say that my husband laughs and says let's just say reforming and he's not wrong because I still have to fight against my little yes girl inside because maybe like you (laughs) I was a good girl. I grew up in a house where I was the oldest daughter, where I was expected to look after my little sisters and be the bigger person and do the right thing. And then I went to school and I was a good girl. I got labeled as a good girl very early on. And so I knew that I had to do what was right and I knew that I had to do what was asked of me. And I did that my whole school career. The challenge with that, the the challenge with giving me that label at a really young age is that I carried it into the world. And if you don't know, often good girls become people pleasers and perfectionists. And you become a people pleaser because if you're a good girl and somebody asks you to do something, what is the answer? The answer is yes. And so you spend a lot of time saying yes to things that you do out of obligation rather than out of this is what I really want to be doing. And it took me so long to figure this out. It took me so long that I actually had to have a whole year of no. And it actually came out of randomly uh, listening to another podcast, uh, a Tim Ferriss podcast, where he talked about the way that he started to shape things for himself was if something wasn't a hell yeah, he said no. And that meant that if his first response wasn't, I'm so excited and hell yeah, I want to do that, then really the answer was probably a no. And so in my business and in my community, I got myself into this place where I was the person to ask. (laughs) I was the person to ask to do things, to fix things, whether it was a team member or a supplier or even people in the community because I had a few community roles too because I trained everyone that I would always say yes. And I'd kind of got to this point where I was starting to feel a bit bitter and a bit resentful. Actually, (laughs) let's be honest. 
that's probably a bit of an understatement. It's a lot of an understatement. I was feeling a lot bitter and a lot resentful that people expected me to do all of these things. The challenge was, I was still saying yes to everything. And so when I heard this concept of, it's either a hell yeah or it's a no, I realized very quickly that a lot of the things I was saying yes to were hell yes, weren't hell yes for me. They were no's. They weren't a yes at all. They were, I'm doing this because I feel like I should, not because this actually lights me up and I want to do it. And so I decided that I was going to have a year of no. And so when people asked me things, I had to figure out ways that I could say no. And it was so uncomfortable. And I didn't feel ready. And I was pretty sure people were going to be unhappy. And I also knew it was the right thing to do because by saying yes to everything else, I was sacrificing the things that mattered most to me. And I was putting the people that mattered most to me last. And so I really had to do this thing. And so I wasn't ready and I was deeply uncomfortable with it. And I wasn't even very good at saying the word no. It has two letters and I found it uncomfortable. And so I began this journey of saying no to things and I had to come up with all sorts of fancy ways to say no because the word no just wasn't there for me. And so I used to say things like, thanks for the opportunity, I just need to check if I can help. And then I could come back later and say, hey, thanks for the opportunity, I don't have the capacity to do that right now. Maybe come back and talk to me in three months or six months or 12 months. And I used to say things like, hey, thanks for the invite. I'm actually already in a meeting at that time, so I can't make it. Never mind the fact that sometimes that meeting was with myself. Sometimes that meeting was with my husband. I just was not going to sacrifice those things anymore. And I got better over time. Hey, thanks for the offer, but no thanks. It's not for me right now. And I got better and better. What was really interesting to me was that I had trained people for so long that Sarah was the go-to person. I was the poster child for, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And back then, I was the busiest person I knew. <laughs> and so when I started saying no, when I started saying no, I can't help you with that event, no, I can't help you sort out your zero, no, I can't do that thing, no, you can't use my business's resources for it, people were unhappy because I was no longer meeting the expectation I'd set for myself around them, which was that I was readily available and so was my time, focus, energy, and in some cases, my money and my resources inside my business were readily available for everybody else to use. And so when I started saying no, I started getting some pushback. I started getting people being pretty angry that I was no longer freely giving of this stuff, even though I'd been incredibly generous with my time, focus and energy and my business's resources for years. And so if you're listening to this and you think, yeah, I'm a people pleaser, <laughs> I'm people pleasing all the time. And one of the reasons that I say yes is that I'm worried how people are going to react. I think I need to tell you that there's every chance they may not be super happy about it. Because before, when they needed help, they had you at their beck and call. And so when you take that resource away from them, it's going to make things harder for them. 
and you need to do it anyway. You need to do it when it doesn't feel perfect and it doesn't feel right. Because if you keep saying yes to all those people, eventually you'll get bitter and resentful and you'll say something you don't mean. Or you'll get bitter and resentful and keep doing it anyway. And you will be sacrificing the people that matter. You will be giving the best of you to everybody else and the rest of you to those you love at home. Start having a look at the things you're saying yes to and go, is that a hell yeah, I'm super excited about that? Is that a no? And if it comes down to these are opportunities in your business and you're a bit worried about missing out, you've got this fear that maybe it won't be there for you later. I think one of the biggest things I've learned about opportunities is that if they're the right one, they won't just knock once. And I know we're told that. Opportunity only knocks once, Sarah. In my experience, that has not been true <laughs> at all. If it's the right opportunity for me, it has come around multiple times until I have been in the right place to receive it. And so I don't think you should be worried about stepping back from opportunities and saying no to them for a little while just to keep things on track with the family that matter to you or getting your business back under control because you can always come back around. We talk about business for a season. We talk about decisions for a season. These are non-fatal decisions. No one's going to die if you say no to an opportunity or no to a request for help. And you can always come back and offer that resource to them later if you've got the capacity to do. So really thinking about that people pleasing and how it starts to impact our business and how it starts to impact our lives in a way that it starts to encroach on every part of it. And you're in control of that because you trained them to treat you this way and so you can train them to treat you another way too. And when it comes to the perfectionism, that need inside to get it just right and it comes alongside our people pleaser, <laughs> unfortunately. Fortunately, they're often closely linked to each other because we want to get it just right, just perfect. It was a word I was using a lot when we first got into our business. About the same time as we bought the first business, we were also planning a wedding and we'd moved countries and we were eventually going to move into a new house in that second year of business. And so we were doing a lot of things and when someone said, what do you want? I'd say, I just want it to be perfect. And here's the thing is that it's never perfect. It's never done. And even if I do get it to a point where I think it's perfect and I push go on it today, by tomorrow it's not perfect anymore because I've grown, I've evolved, I've learned things, the environment's changed and I could change and do it better. And so what becomes really important when you want to recover or become a recovering perfectionist is you want to start thinking about how can I just make progress? And if you want to see anyone anywhere that's successful, if you want to see how much progress they've made, go back, scroll back to the start of their social media feeds. Go back and look at the first YouTube video they put up. Go back in the Wayback Machine and have a look at their website. Like I, Every now and then I go back in the Wayback Machine and have a look at our boat website. And I look at the first one that we had back in 2007. And oh my goodness, cringe. <laughs> oh my goodness, cringe. There is not a lot right with it anymore. 
all these years later. And if you go through our journey and our evolution of what our marketing has looked like over that journey uh, in the tourism business, and you can do the same thing with uh, my coaching business as well. If you go back to the start and have a look at the logos and the colors that I think I got done on Fiverr, back then they were good enough. And now, Johnny's like, can we just burn all evidence of the old brands? And I'm like, not really. And also it shows the journey and it shows the progress. And so one of the things that really helped me was we worked with an organization out in the States on some software, on some building out some automations and systems and processes in both of our businesses. And actually back then it was in all four of our businesses. When we were doing it, I was like, okay, I've just got to write all the emails for you. And they're like, okay, cool. You've got six minutes to write each email. And I was like, no, I can't write an email in six minutes. That's ridiculous. But you totally can write an email in six minutes. It's just that you're going to then spend another 60 minutes, at least tweaking and adjusting to get it just so. The six minute version is going to do the job for now. Let's do it. Let's get it out in the world and we can come back and change it later once everything is live. And I was like, six minutes? Oh my goodness. And now I use it with my own clients. It is so true. If you can write something today, stick it out in the world, and then come back to it a week later, and you can't find anything to improve on it, you spent too long on it the first time around. You are far better to get something done and put it out into the world, because once it's out there, we can look at what works and what doesn't work and tweak it and adjust it and change it. We're literally, in some cases, building the plane while it's in the air, and that's okay. And if you can get past that and start to go, okay, what is the progress I've made? What is the shift I've made from that email I sent yesterday to the email I'm going to send today? What is the progress I've made from the conversation I had with my team member today to the team member, the conversation I'll have with my team member tomorrow? Making that 1% progress over and over again is what's going to be a game changer. Because if you can do that every day, just get 1% better in business in the conversations you have with your team, in the way that you're building your systems, in the way that you're using your time, you're going to find that the compounding effect of that over time will be magical. And you don't have to be perfect at everything, and you don't have to say yes to everything, you just have to make progress. So, like me, you are a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. Let's talk a bit more about the word no. And let's talk a bit more about progress and let's start celebrating it. Let's celebrate how much better it is than it was rather than whether it's perfect or not. Because if we can start making progress, we can tweak things on the way. Because here's the truth. If you want to create a legacy of wealth in every way, shape and form, if you want to create a legacy of health relationship financial, of spiritual and emotional wealth for the people that surround you, for the people that you love. The limits that you place on yourself to be perfect and to keep everyone happy are just two of the limits you're going to have to shatter through. So come along with us and shatter those limits so you can create those legacies because that's how we're going to become the glorious exceptions around here at the Moxie Movement. See you next time.